Fellow redeemed, grace and peace belong to you from God the Father, shining upon you through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Sermon text that we have before us is the Old Testament lesson for Epiphany, the festival of Epiphany from Isaiah chapter 60. I share with you verses 1 through 6. Please rise as we hear these words in Jesus' name. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is dawning upon you. Look, darkness covers the earth, and deep darkness covers the peoples. But the Lord will dawn upon you, and his glory will be seen over you. Nations will walk to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Look up, look all around, and see. All of them have been gathered. They are coming to you. Your sons will come from far away, and people will carry your daughters on their side. And then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will race with excitement and burst with joy. For great riches from the sea will be delivered to you. The wealth of the nations will come to you. Caravans of camels will cover your land. Young camels from Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba will come. And they will carry gold and incense. And they will announce the good news of the praise of the Lord. And we pray. O Lord Jesus, light of the world, shine upon us now and always. Rescue us from the spiritual darkness of sin, and let us dwell with you forever in the glorious light of heaven. Amen. Please be seated. God's Word, Scripture, uh, uses frequently this theme that we see before us today, this theme and this imagery of darkness and of light. And it's especially a favorite of the prophet Isaiah. He uses it frequently throughout his book, including in, in our text for today. He uses this, this symbolism of darkness as representing our separation from God, how we should be trapped in this fearful, utter darkness away from God. And yet he also uses this picture of light, referring to, to the grace that we have as we stand in God's presence and as God fully sees us, and yet we aren't dirty or sinful, but we are holy and righteous ourselves. It's good to be in that light. In our text, Isaiah points out that the earth and all the peoples of the earth they have a problem. It's a natural problem. It's something that we struggle with from the get-go, from the very beginning of life. We have a problem with darkness. We have a problem with sin, the spiritual darkness of sin. And this is something that you and I understand and realize ourselves. It's something that we've experienced. We know how we've gone wandering ourselves into the darkness of sins. And so it's important for us, especially as we begin our sermon to consider how, how terrible and dangerous and how we should beware of this darkness of sin and what it does to us. Isaiah points out that we are covered in darkness. How is it that you have been covered in darkness? How often is it that you have enjoyed your own dark, sinful deeds? Are you guilty of enjoying the dark deeds of excess, maybe drinking too much, getting drunk, doing drugs to get high, binging on all sorts of unhealthy, worldly pleasures and things. 
Maybe you are guilty of darkening your heart with lustful things, looking at pornography, uh, having sexual relations outside of marriage, or thinking that God's design for sex and marriage as being between one man and one woman in a committed relationship for the course of their lives, thinking that that's inadequate or outdated. Are you guilty of... Are you guilty of approving of, of tolerating, of supporting, maybe even encouraging dark deeds, dark lifestyles, dark worldviews that are clearly not in line with what God has said he wants in his word? Have you allowed your, your words and your vocabulary to become darkened by sin so that profanities and vulgarities and, and crude jokes come flying off your tongue? or through your fingers into your devices? Have you come to value things that our dark, sinful world values? Things like rejoicing in revenge, getting even with people, seeing other people suffer and be in pain, holding grudges, speaking evil of other people, taking advantage of other people, betraying, abusing others for our own greed, our own personal gain, our own pleasure? Are you guilty of having a darkened understanding of, of church and of your prayer and devotional life, thinking that these things are unnecessary or unimportant? And do it some other time. It doesn't fit with my busy schedule. Dear friends, these are ways that we wander into spiritual darkness. And that is a dangerous place to be. What happens when our lives come to an end and we are planted in that spiritual darkness? It's terrifying to think about. That results in what Jesus describes as the outer darkness with the, with the wailing and gnashing of teeth. Being stuck in the darkness and having our lives end results in the eternal darkness and suffering of hell. Fact is, all of us need to be rescued from this. We are all in trouble of this very thing. We need to be brought into the light. And it's not something that we can do ourselves. We're trapped in darkness. This is a point that St. Paul made a few moments ago in our epistle lesson. At the beginning of our epistle lesson, he says, All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Darkness, spiritual darkness, that's something that has covered everyone. And it has covered us ever since the fall of our first parents, Adam and Eve. They are the ones that by their, cho uh, their choice, their choosing to disobey God, brought this darkness of sin into the world. And it's something that we continue to wrestle with and struggle with today. And we would be doomed to that darkness forever, except for the fact, except for the fact of what Isaiah says in our text. What beautiful words he says. Your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is dawning upon you. The Lord will dawn upon you, and his glory will be seen over you. The darkness scatters, it disappears, it vanishes, it evaporates because of the arrival of our Savior, Jesus. So as our text says, rise and shine be joyful, rejoice, the light of the world has come to rescue you from this spiritual darkness. This past week, I tried an experiment in my home. I went and woke up my family members by 
in the morning by walking in their room and shouting, rise and shine, just like our text tells us to do, right? You can probably imagine the reactions that I got from my family members, probably similar reactions that you would get in your house if you tried this grumbling and groans and arms pushing me away and blankets coming up over heads and my wife mumbling something about needing coffee before there will be any shining. (laughs) Sometimes we look at this concept of rise and shine as if it's something that we have to do, as if we have to muster up the energy ourselves to get things rolling, to go and do it tempted to look at this command in that kind of way. But that's not what Isaiah is intending. It's not a burdensome command to us. You better rise and shine or else. Instead, it's something that comes naturally. This rising and shining isn't something that's hard to do because the power of rising and shining is something that comes not from within us, But the power and the motivation to rise and shine, as our text is encouraging us to do, comes from outside of us. The rising and shining that we do as Christians, it's motivated and it's powered. It is made possible because of the fact that Jesus, our morning star, has risen and is now shining upon you and me. As Isaiah said in our text, the glory of the Lord is dawning upon you. His glory is seen over you. What joy this gives us. Happiness this brings to you and me. The light of the world has come and he is shining on you and on me. Imagine being trapped in a flooded cave. How terrifying would that be? There's a movie out on Amazon Prime about these 13... Uh, Thai boys, a soccer team that were trapped in a flooded cave. Your flashlight died days ago. You're sitting there in this utter pitch black darkness. There's nowhere to go. There's this water that you can feel around you. What would you be thinking? What would you be feeling? Terror, despair, hopelessness, fear, isolation, loneliness, Think of the hunger that you would have, how how you're running out of air to breathe, how anxious that would be. What a terrible, traumatic event it is when there's an explorer who gets trapped in a cave or when we hear about a child who falls down a well or miners who are trapped in a cave. It often makes world news. We hear about this thing from time to time because of how tragic and terrible that situation is. But then imagine if you were that person trapped in that darkness, suddenly a light shines upon you and you hear the assuring words of a rescuer speaking to you. Would it be hard for you in that situation to rise and shine? I don't think so. Salvation, rescue, the way out is here. I don't think we would be able to do anything except jump up In rejoicing, we would be beaming, shining forth with with the greatest joy possible because here we thought we had been completely and utterly lost and now we are rescued. The light is here and it's showing me the way out of this darkness. That's what the celebration of Epiphany is really all about. 
We have this joyful enlightening that's taking place. We who were stuck in this dreadful, eternally deadly darkness, we now have a sure hope of rescue. The light of our Savior has come. We are no longer in darkness. The light, Jesus Christ, in whom there is no darkness, has come into the world, and he shines upon you and me, casting our sinful deeds away from us. He rescues us from the darkness of sin. John points this out in his gospel. In the very first introductory chapter, um, John the Apostle writes, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. He is the true light that gives life to mankind. Or later on in John chapter 8, Jesus himself brings up this very point, this point of epiphany. When he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus alone is the one who can scatter the darkness of sin. He scatters our sins. He drives them away. He causes them to evaporate and, and, and disappear in the glorious light that comes from him. He alone is the God-man who was conceived and born without any darkness found in his heart. Never once did he go wandering off into the darkness of sin as you and I have. He lived his entire life as light without sin, so that he might be our light. His glorious, righteous light, it now shines upon all who put their hope, their trust in him. And that means that when God looks at you and me, he looks at us covered in this light, not in darkness. And he says to you, you look just like my son Jesus, who shines with great light. You belong to me. Our Lord Jesus, of course, who was the light of the world, yet he willingly endured the darkness of sin in all of its wrath and fury as he died upon the cross. Remember how on Good Friday the world went dark as God turned his back on Christ Jesus, as he was there suffering, bleeding on the cross, paying the price for every single sin, every single dark deed that we have ever committed. But then at the dawn of the third day, there was no more darkness. There was no more despair. There was no more hopelessness. Instead, there's this glorious message that's being broadcast from that open and empty tomb. Jesus has defeated the powers of darkness, and he lives. The tomb is open. It's empty. And he has now brought, this is God proclaiming to you and me, look and see this open, empty tomb. This is proof to you that my son, the light of the world, has brought forgiveness of your sins. Our sins, our darkness, again, it has evaporated, it has vanished in the light of our resurrected, our glorified, our exalted Lord Jesus Christ. That message, that message about this one who has come into the world and has shine, who shines his light upon us, to you and to me, that message is like the message of that rescuer in the cave who pops up and shines his light upon that person who had been trapped in darkness. That rescuer pops up and says, I found you. 
You are saved. Let's get you out of here. Think again of the great comfort and the joy that that would give to that person being rescued. That's the same comfort and joy that you and I have as we hear the gospel message. As we hear our Savior, Jesus, who shines upon us, he now says to you and to me, take my hand, believe in me. I have won the forgiveness of all of your sins. You are now my brother. You are my sister, he says. And you will stand with me forever in the glorious light of God's presence in heaven. This is the joy that we have, especially as we come here to this place. As we come to church, as we have God's word being shared with us, as we hear this gospel message being preached to us, as we see people being baptized, and we remember, I have been baptized. As we get to gather around this altar, and the light of the world comes, and he gives us his own body and blood to eat and to drink. In doing this, being here in this place, the darkness of our sins is dispelled. It vanishes. As Jesus speaks to us here and he says, I've got you. Your sins are forgiven. You belong with me in the light. And this is a message that our Savior desires all people to have. And that's also a a major theme of this season of Epiphany. As Paul also said in our Epistle lesson, we already said and pointed out, all people have sinned and fallen short. But he goes on and he says, all are justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Simply through faith, by putting our trust in him, this light belongs to everyone who put their faith, their hope, their trust in the light of the world. Just as Simeon said when he was holding the infant Jesus in his arms, this is the glory of of God's people, Israel. This is a light to lighten the Gentiles. That's what Isaiah is pointing out also in our text. And what a blessing for us who, who are from the nations. I don't know a whole lot of Jewish people here in our congregation. We are those who had been scattered, who should be out there, cast away in the darkness, and yet the glorious message of Epiphany comes. God's salvation is meant also for the Gentiles, for those people out there, for everyone who is sick of sitting in the gloom and darkness of their sin. They have this gracious invitation to come, to rise, to shine in the light of Christ Jesus. Jesus is the Savior of the world. The nations are now welcome, and and as Isaiah points out here, they're even drawn into this light. And that's not something that we should doubt or ever scoff at. Isaiah in our text, he says, look around and be amazed at the results of this message, of this light. Look and see how God draws all these people in. See how the nations are coming to the light. Even kings and leaders of the nations, they're willingly coming and bowing before the glory of the Lord that's found in this humble package, Jesus Christ. They're coming because they find value in the light. They're bringing their costliest treasures, as we heard the Magi were doing. They were coming, they were casting off their crowns and bowing before Jesus because they were so appreciative of the fact that they were no longer stuck in the darkness of their sin, but they had the promise of eternal light with God in heaven. 
really what we see at the end of our text, it's a picture of the New Testament church and of the mission work that we carry out. It's a beautiful picture of how God desires people from all races, all tribes, all nations, from across the globe to be drawn and to come and, and to be part of this light that, that glows out from our Savior. God draws people. And in our text, it points out that what is drawing these people into his church and to the light is really the light that's coming from you. From the church, the light of Christ is shining upon us and it's going out into the world around us. Again, like I said before, sometimes we picture rising and shining as something that we have to do. Sometimes we look at mission work and, and we stress about it. It's like all this effort and work and we have to get motivated and do it ourselves. It's way easier than that. Rejoicing in the light that God shines on us, it reflects off of us. It beams off of us. The people around us in our world, they look at Christians and they say, there's something different about these people. They have joy when they shouldn't have joy. They have fearlessness when times are fearful, even when facing death itself. They are enduring hardships and struggles, and yet in spite of it, they're showing love to the people around them. Dear friends, this is mission work. As we stand in the light of God and we rejoice in the light that he is shining upon us, the forgiveness of our sins, the promise that we have of heaven, that makes a difference. People see it, and it opens doors of opportunities for you and me that aren't difficult or hard or scary. In fact, it's, it's very simple and easy. We can say, I know the light. There's a light, the light of Christ is shining on me, and he wants to shine on you as well. Behold the light of the world. Let him lead you also out of darkness is the message that we can share with the people around us. This light that shines upon us, it reflects off of us to other people. It causes us, as our text says, to be radiant. Our hearts burst with joy. What a privilege it is. That God has led us out of the darkness, that we get to stand in the light of his grace, and that this is a light that we get to offer to the people around us. What a blessing it is that we can rise and shine in the light of Christ. All glory be to him, our light, who gives us eternal life. Amen. And the peace of God that passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.